I hope you've enjoyed our service so far here at Redwood, and we are, uh, we're very happy you are with us today. We're, uh, wherever you are, whether you're in Oregon, outside of Oregon, in Grants Pass, or Timbuktu, we're happy you're here with us, and you're, you're taking the, the time to, to join us in worship and join us in, in listening to the, the Lord's Word. So, um, my name's Ken Fraunfelter. I'm a, an elder here at Redwood Christian Church. I have... Um, I've been here for several years, you know, and uh, one thing I do know about our church is that they, there is a resiliency here. We, we want to make sure that the number one and first and foremost is that uh, the Lord is, is the center of what we, what we do here. And so uh, if you're joining us and you're unsure of that, understand, or if you're, you're joining us and you're unsure of where you stand, understand that we... We want you to know the Lord. We want you to, to, to know that he's here and that um, our church, our body is one with Christ, which is, kind of brings me to what I'm going to talk about today, and that's, um, we're, we're still in the book of Ephesians. We're, we're kind of going through a series here, and uh, that series is called One in Christ. <clears throat> we, uh, um, today's is, is in the latter chapters, we're, we've got two uh, sermons left in regards to this series, and um, what we're looking at today is a um, is kind of about discipline, relationships, um, integrity, all these things that make up how we do things and and why we do things. Um, There's going to be some controversial topics today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about. Husbands and wives, and how you're supposed to work with one another. I'm talking about kids, and how you're supposed to work with your parents, and parents, how you're supposed to work with your kids. And uh, in in the Bible here, it mentions the servants, the servants, and the masters. And we we don't have a lot of that where we live. Uh, what we do have is boss and employer, or boss and employee. And um, a lot of us can relate to that. Maybe not in the past. I don't know, a couple weeks, because your boss may have been your kids, <laughs> or your boss may have been your dog just wanting, a, wanting its meal time at the same time every day and getting kind of used to you being home. But, uh, uh, you know, we're getting to that point where we're going to be able to go back to work. And uh, some of us have had gotten to go to work this whole time, or had to go to work either way. We, uh, we're blessed in what God gives us. So, we have that opportunity to go and do what it is he's asked us to do. So what we're going to talk about today is those relationships we're going to have with other people. And I'm going to be uh, reading out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, uh, verse 21. Um, we're going to go into uh, chapter 6, but I'm going to be starting out in verse 21 of chapter 5. And uh, like I said, this is a very controversial topic. A lot of people say, hey, I, I understand um, what it says, and I don't necessarily agree with it because, you know, nobody's going to tell me how to, you know, that I need to submit and I need to, you know, obey my husband, all this different stuff. I'm going to get into the, kind of get into some details and, and explain that in a little bit of a different light. So if you just um, bear with me um, and let's kind of dig into the word. Um, before we get into that, I do want to say a word of prayer, and I want to, I want to invite you to um, open your heart and uh, really listen for the Lord's, the Lord's word in what we talk about today. So Lord, we thank you so much that you are here, that you are our God, that we can 
um, come before you and we can, we can freely listen to your word and learn what it is you have for us to learn, Lord. We, we ask that your spirit would be here and would um, absolutely be, be speaking to our hearts. We thank you for everything you are, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, I'm going to open up uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 21. And the first thing that it says is, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does, the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And this is the part where I was talking about is controversial. In there, there's that part that says, you know, up in verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This isn't carte blanche, guys, for, to go out and say, you know what? He said, you got to submit. The Bible says it. You got to submit to me. Do what I tell you. No, no, you're, you're missing a, a part of it. Have you ever had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the peanut butter? It's a jelly sandwich. A little bit odd, right? Ever have a, you know, or without bread, you just put it right on top, right? Peanut butter and jelly without the bread. You're missing an important factor in this. The other, the, the important factor that I'm talking about is, it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You got to think about, you got to go back into this whole, this whole book that explains what it is Jesus did for his for his church. He died for his church. That's the biggest thing that we know of. He, ra- he rose again for us. But the, all the other things that he did, the discipline that he had to make sure that we were able to go to heaven with him, the, the fact that he, he created everything we've got. The Lord created everything that this planet has to offer. He gave us everything we have. We're absolutely blessed. There's not a bit of us that's lucky. There's, luck doesn't exist in this. It's, it's a blessing that the Lord gave us. So we've got to consider what it is that Jesus gave us. Jesus, uh, he, he gave us life. He gave us um, education, all the lessons that he taught, the, the way he lived his life, all those things that we pay attention to, and all those names in which we give him, all those, all those virtues in which he has, he has um, he, he personified. Those of you that know me, you know, know I... I preached here before, and, I, and I've mentioned a couple times, and there was one sermon I had where I had a whole list of virtues that Jesus was, right? And these are things that are, that are important, and we still hold those to a very high esteem today, and Jesus was able to personify every single one of those things. And so we understand that this is how you love somebody. He loved us so much. He gave us all those things. 
He died for us. He came back, and he's going there to heaven now to prepare a place for us. He's telling his father about you. He's telling, he's, he's telling everybody in heaven about you, whoever you are. He's setting a place for you. He's waiting for you. He's, he's loving you, and he wants you to be there. You know, remember when you were a kid, and you knew that you were having guests coming over. And I remember when I was a kid, I had my, my grandparents would come over, and um, I would look out the window. I would go run up to the window maybe every five minutes. Are they here yet? No. Go up there. No. Are they here yet? No. Excited to wait to see if they're coming. Well, that's what he's doing. He's up there. He's like, they're, they're on their way. He's like, they're not ready yet, but I know they're coming, and he, you got to be, check this out. This person, he's doing this good stuff. Oh, check this out. He's doing this. So that, he's excited that you, that, that you, you have that opportunity to come to heaven with him, and he's given us everything it takes to get there. <clears throat> It's up to us to make that trip. Now, when I was a kid, like I said, I'd be looking for my grandparents. There was a, there was a couple times that, or, you know, grandparents, uncles, family members are coming to visit that, you know, I'm expecting some family member to show up and I go to the, go to the window every five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. There would be a point where I, my mom would come in and say, oh, hey, they're not going to be able to come. They got snagged. Something came up. They, they weren't, they're not able to make it today. Disappointing. It's very disappointed. And that's where Jesus is. He gets disappointed, not, not at you so much, but at the fact that, that he's not going to be able to spend that time if you don't show up. So he's given us this opportunity to know what it takes to get to heaven, to be with him, because he loves us so much. Well, this is the way that he's expecting a husband to treat his wife, that he's looking for. He's always expecting her. He's, he's telling everybody all these great things about her. That's what a husband does. He goes out of his way to make sure his wife is, is well taken care of. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go become a millionaire. You could be dirt poor, but you still take care of your family. You still work hard to make sure there's, there's food on the table, there's a roof over your head, there's you know, everything you need to do. And if you have the opportunity to adorn your wife, what do you do? You go buy a ring or you buy a necklace or you get earrings or something like that, right? Her birthday comes up and you're working on, you know, I need to get a card. So you spend 10 hours in front of those stupid card displays reading every single card to my wife. And you're like, oh my gosh, I think I've, you know, gone through all these things where you've read as many sappy poems as you can read. But that's what you do. You want to do nice things for her because that's who you love, right? That's how it is. So if you are doing those things, this is where the part where now the wife says, okay, I will submit to you. Because... I, we got to admit, and I, I'm not a wife, I'm not, I'm not a woman, I don't know. However, basic, basic giving back, reciprocation, is, is understood that when somebody does something nice for you and adorns you and, and, and puts you up on a pedestal and does all these things, you want to be nice to them. You want to, like, you know what, yes, you're right, thank you very much. It just, that's the way it works. So the more you do this with your wife, the more you're going to get, that, that, that's where that submission is going to come in. But it has to work both ways. They both are, they're not mutually exclusive. They have to work in tandem. Because she doesn't want to submit to somebody that doesn't care about her. And he's not going to want to do all these things for somebody that doesn't care about him. There's, there's mutual adoration, there's mutual respect, mutual uh, cohesion there. 
So, moving on. Chapter 6. Uh, you know, moving on from the, from the husband and wife, this is where we stand. This is what you're supposed to do. Uh, chapter 6 talks about children, and so I'll just get into it. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I'm just going to hold it, hold it right there for a second. This is the section that talks about children. This is how you raise children. You know, kids, obey your parents. Why? They're mean to me. Well, first off, the Lord says to do it, right? It's the only commandment that actually has a part two that says, do this and this will happen. Guaranteed, right? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you. If you honor them, things will go well. Now, how do you honor them? I, you know, my, my parents, are, they always tell me to go do chores or, or go to eat up all my vegetables. Okay, well, that's, that's normal. But the other side of it is, um, if you are, are causing your parents so much strife that they're just, I don't know what to do with this kid. He's always a problem for me. He's, you know, he doesn't listen to me. I don't know what to do. You know, you have this same thing that happens with step parents all the time. You know, I don't know where to go. I don't know, I, I don't know how to talk to him. They don't want to listen to me. And especially as they become teenagers. I don't, you know, they don't want to listen to me. They want to be rude or they want to be, you know, obstinate. All these different things. Um, we look at that and we have to think, what is going on in which, um, one, the, the child doesn't think they can look to their parent in a respectful manner, but two, the other side of it is, children, why can't you? Why can't you listen to your parents and do what they, uh, do what they say when they say to do it? Is, it? is it wrong? Is it, you know, is it illegal? Whatever the case is. If that's the case, you need to be, you need to be speaking out. But even in the military, you know, the orders get given, and the lower ranks have to do what the higher ranks say. But if the higher rank gives an order that is illegal or wrong, unethical, immoral, whatever, that lower rank has a right to deny having to follow that order. We don't have to uh, do what they say. However, there is a way to do it. You still remain respectful. And you go back and you say, you know, whether or not you talk to that same person that gave you the order, or you go talk to somebody else of a higher rank and explain, I'm not going to do this because of X, Y, Z. Well, that's the same, that's the same thing. If, but if, if when you're leading your children, you give an order or you give a, a, uh, a reprimand or you give a, you know, decision, you make a decision at home that says, we're going to do X, Y, Z. Make sure that what you're doing is, is moral, ethical, and justified. You know, if it's, it's not just for your own ego. And that's something that we want to make sure we're not using when we're raising our children. Your ego and your arrogance need to be the last thing because that's going to be seen through. You, you, can, you can smell that a mile away. And what I mean by you can smell arrogance, you can smell egotistical uh, or egoism. You can, you can see that coming when someone's all about somebody. 
And that's not something that, that you need to be, it's not beneficial to be used when you're raising your children. Uh, verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and respect with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart, wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Basically, this is, this is kind of breaking it down to and saying, you, you work for God. You don't work for, if you work for Jim Bob's plumbing, you don't work for Jim Bob. You work for God. Not to say that Jim's Bob, Jim Bob's God, but what I'm saying is you do your job as if God is your boss. When you do it that way, you will do the best job you've ever done. This is where accountability comes in. This is where your integrity comes in. Obey them, verse 6 says, Obey them not, with, not, only, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. That's the definition of, definition of integrity. When you do what's right, when nobody's watching you, you do what's right when, it's not, when there's nobody to hold you to that. That's integrity. And how do we get integrity? It takes discipline to get there. How do we get discipline? Well, everybody's like, well, you know, that's, that's, there's two different kinds of discipline. Well, kind of. You know, you say you were disciplined as a child. You, you, got, you probably got a switch or the belt or, you know, a wooden spoon or whatever. You know, somebody, you got a spanking all the time when you were a kid. Okay, maybe that was the case. Some people get disciplined harder than others and more often. However, that's not the discipline I mean. That's somebody trying to instill something in somebody else. And that's more punishment in, in the fact in what you're doing. Now, discipline is, is holding yourself. You get self-discipline. And with discipline comes freedom. Because the more you're able to do what you know needs to be done, the more you'll go be able to go do what it is you want to go do. If you say, you know, I'm disciplined to follow this, this list, and I'm going to check these boxes today, get all the things done, you know. You wake up in the morning and you say, <clears throat> I have, uh, you know, oh, I've got a meeting at 10 o'clock. I've got to go to that. Okay, oh, I've got another thing. I've got to take the kids to you know, soccer practice or whatever at, you know, four o'clock this afternoon, all this different stuff, right? You make sure you get those things. If you can get that stuff and make sure, hey, by the time you're done, I've got, you got some time. Your discipline is going to develop into your freedom because you're going to be able to do the things you need to go do. There is a, there is an author that was writing a book. I, uh, and he, he wrote a book. His intent was to get this book done by a certain amount of time. He wrote, he said he, he, he'd spend an hour writing. And he said, no matter what, he's, he's, he's writing from, you know, the minute or the time that the uh, clock did one second to the time that said 60 minutes. And so that's when he was done writing. And he said he got to the point by, by about his third chapter, he was writing about a thousand words a day. And that's about a chapter. 
And so obviously he had some intent to, to get this done and he was motivated and he, what he, he got into the point where he had some college education that he typed very fast and all this stuff. I couldn't probably do a thousand words a, an hour. However, this, is what, this was his intent. This is what I listened to a, his um, explaining how he wrote his book. And his intent was to write that thousand words an hour and no matter what. And so he would, sometimes he would get beyond that thousand. Sometimes he'd get 900 and, you know, something. But as soon as he would spend that time doing that. And he knew he could get that in that time. So that left him the ability and the time to go do the things he wanted to go do. Whether it was, you know, I know this author was a surfer and he played the guitar and he, he trained in jiu-jitsu. And so he did all these things that he wanted to go do because he got what he needed to get done first. This is, where, this is that discipline. You know, does my boss need to hold me accountable to do the things that are required? You know, I have a list of, of, of jobs that I'm required to get done while I'm at work, just as most of you do. Do they need to hold me accountable? No. You need to hold you accountable. You're the one who holds you accountable. When they, when, you know, you always hear in the news and you hear all the stuff anymore, oh, we're going to hold them accountable, especially a lot of times with the climate we have today. You know, we're going to hold them accountable. You need to be holding you accountable. Nobody needs to hold me accountable. I'll hold myself accountable. And if I can't do it, the Lord will do it. But that's, that's where you should stand, is, is your accountability is based off of your discipline. And your discipline comes from your integrity. If, if those things are lacking, you're going to be egotistical. You're going to be arrogant. You're going to be full of yourself, and you're going to be trying to make people do things that are not biblical, that are not Christ-centered, that are not given from the Lord, because you're going to be trying to push your, uh, your thing on somebody else. But the bottom line is nobody really cares about your opinion, but you. But the Lord cares about your heart. And, and the way that we go through life is we have to seek him first. We have to look at his virtues. We have to look at the way that he raised us from the time we were baby Christians until, and it, if you're 60 years old and you, be, you, be, you get saved, you're a baby Christian. But all this stuff is that, that culmination of who he wants you to be. Because as he builds you up, and he's looking for you to become who he wants you to be. You're going through struggles and you're going through pain. And we have, every single one of us has this X factor in our life that caused us strife and, and troubles and was hard to do. And you don't know my story. You're right, I don't know your story. But the Lord does. He knows who you are. He knows where you came from. And he knows where you're going. And he wants you to go with him. He wants you to want to be there. He wants you to understand that putting him first and making him the reason that we do what we do will, will change your relationships with your wife, will change the relationship with your husband, will change the relationship with your children, will change that relationship with your boss or your employee or your neighbor or your friend or your former friend. We live in a world now where there's so much hate and there's so much negativity and there's so much 
aggression. And some of us are sitting back saying, I don't know what to do. Some of us are sitting back saying, you know, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go forward. Nobody's going to talk to me this way. They are going to talk to you that way. You, are you going to listen to them? Are you going to let your ego get in the way? Are you going to let your arrogance get in the way? Or are you going to let the Lord intercede for you and become that reason that people want to submit to you? People want to be your friend. People want you to be within their inner circle. People want you around because you have that joy of the Lord, that love of the Lord, that self-control of the Lord that brings everything to fruition that he has laid that path for in the first place. There was a, there was a, a British photographer named Kieran Doherty. He was a freelance uh, photographer. He did some contract stuff for some various uh, Reuters and uh, different organizations throughout the world. And he always got sent to the, some of the harshest places. He went to Iraq and Afghanistan. He got some of the nice places. He went to Australia, went to Wimbledon, you know, goes to these various places. One of the places he went in 2012 was Sri Lanka. Now, in Sri Lanka in 2012, I don't know if you remember, but this was the time that the, uh, the, the big giant earthquake occurred off the coast, and it sent that enormous tsunami there and destroyed thousands and thousands of acres of Sri Lankan land. People died. People lost their lives. People lost everything they had, their homes, their families, they, all this different stuff, and it was terrible. He was sent there to go uh, photograph the outcome and all the stuff that was going on there. Um, you know, listening to one of his stories, he tells of a, a guy that he met that he kind of came across that uh, had nothing. He lost everything. And he said the Sri Lankan people were some of the nicest people, no matter what, even though they'd gone through this horrendous thing, they still wanted to give to him. They, were, they did anything they could just to make sure that he had a bowl of rice. You know, went through all this different stuff. Um, and so he started, uh, there was this one gentleman that he met, and I'm not going to try to say his name because it's, it's a very difficult name. <laughs> and uh, however, he met this gentleman, and uh, as, he's, as he's dealing with this guy, trying to get you know, his story, he finds out that he's, he lost his wife. He lost his children. They all died. He watched them die. He watched this horrible thing just happen. He, his friends passed away, and the tsunami took everything he had. And yet, when this guy was around uh, Kieran, he wanted to just do everything he can. He made him try to make him comfortable, try to... He said he had nothing. The only thing he had left was his servitude to his fellow man. Yeah, that's huge. When you have nothing and all you have left is your servanthood, when you, all you have left is to give to other people, and remember that people, they're human beings. They're another man. They're another woman. Whether they're your wife or your child, your friend or somebody you don't even know, the best thing you can do is serve them, give back to them, because that's what Jesus has us do. That's why we have this, a strong body. And not strong as in muscular or whatever. I mean strong as in unified. That's why we have who we have as our God. Because without Him, we would not be able to have any hope. 
you look at the news, you look at social media, it's all negative. But the Lord's not. You go open this book right here, there's hope. And with that hope, we'll be able to move forward and know that He is God. and He is who's, who we say we are. It's, it's who He says I am, is who I am. It's who He says you are, is who you are. Because of that integrity and that, that uh, accountability and that dis- discipline that you have, by knowing His Word and knowing who He is and how He leads this body, that's how we're going to be able to know that His joy can overcome any problems, any self-doubt, any problem that you are dealing with right now. He's the reason that you're here today. You are where you are today. He's that reason. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you off with this. If you're not sure of, of what's going on and you're, you're fearful, understand that you are a member of the body of Christ. The, the creator of everything. Whether you've accepted him yet or you're just sitting here watching this video wondering what's, what this is all about. He wants you to be a member of, of his body. And he is more powerful than you can ever imagine. And he will bring us to bear knowing that he is, the, he is that gold standard. Next week I'm going to be talking about, I'll be back next week. Uh, next week I'm going to be talking about, um, we're going to be moving into chapter 6. And this is, this is where we get into spiritual warfare. And, you know, we're going to think that it's a fairly negative or, or a scary topic, and it's not, because there's a hope at the end. And this is where we get to understand that uh, Jesus is God. He's in charge. He'll make sure that we, we make this through. Bow your head and pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you have been that God that, that knows our hearts so much. You are real and you are important and you are exactly what you are meant to be, Lord. And I will be what you say I will be. And I, I thank you so much that you created us that you give us direction, that you give us correction, that you give us just a knowledge of where to go and how to do it, Lord. We thank you so much, and we love you for everything you are. And I thank you for everybody that's here, that's listening, and I pray that you would speak into their hearts, Lord, that you would be with them. Let us honor you, Lord in everything that we do, and how we deal with people, and how we deal with our friends, and our families, and our, our loved ones, and those that we don't like, our bosses, and our co-workers, and our neighbors, and everything else. Bless them nevertheless, Lord. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.